0: Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt.
1: Yes, this is episode 19 of Orange and Backcheck. This is the episode where we all debate how far the Flyers can really go in the playoffs this year. And we also, we're going to get right to this, Scott I am excited to announce that we have made a new friend on the Orange and Back Check Podcast, and we like to say, welcome to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, who is now the proud sponsor of the Orange and Back Check Podcast. Thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook. We're happy to have you here.
0: It's fantastic, isn't it? We we started this thing basically randomly back in late September. And now we have a new partnership with DraftKings. It is the coolest thing that could ever happen to us in this amount of time. We really thank DraftKings for the support, but most of all, we thank you for the support because you're the ones listening to us to put us in position to be able to have a partnership like this. So if you go on to DraftKings and use the promo code BACKCHECK, then you can get your free bonus today.
1: And we'll get into more detail about that in a little bit later into the podcast. But uh, don't think I haven't forgotten this. Sitting across from me is a guy that definitely disagreed with Mike Milbury, Scott Weinhardt, How's it going, my brother?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, the fact that Mike Milbury said that Jake Vorchek was the most important person on the Flyers team uh, just shows to me how incompetent that man really is. <laughs> and it's the truth because, you know... For those who don't know Mike Milbury, outside of him being a commentator, he used to be the GM of the New York Islanders. He was the one who traded away Roberto Luongo and Oli Jokinen for basically nothing. So he tore apart the franchise of the New York Islanders more than that guy, that, that con artist who tried to buy them. I forget the guy's name. But um, yeah, I, I Keith Jones made a very good point about Sean Couturier being the most important player on this team. And after he said that, it didn't really dawn on me, but I, I sat back and thought about it, and I kind of kicked myself in the rear end after it because he said he's the most important guy on this team because he plays 200 feet, and he also gets the offensive production. For years there, he wasn't getting the offensive production, but on his rookie season was shutting guys like Malkin and Crosby down in the playoffs. Then it dawned on me, like, he... Is a center And I've been saying all season Centers are the most Important position Besides a goaltender So The fact that He would say that He's absolutely right Now that Giroux is on the wing Kateri is that Big piece in the middle That you were looking for And Kevin Hayes Supports that on the second line You've added depth Up the middle With Nate Thompson And Derek Grant Who scored a goal The other day And had an assist Uh, So Yeah He's absolutely right That that was That he's absolutely On point with that The fact of that Mike Milbury would say it would be Jake. As much as Jake's improved and how well Jake is playing, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, and it's just like,
1: I don't know what Mike Milbury's seeing besides half of the ice. Like, what, as you just alluded to, what Jake Voracek has done over the last couple weeks is impressive offensively. Like, I'm sure if we really went into it, he still would look a little bit shaky on the defensive end. Couturier is a one of the best power pl- or penalty kill guys on the team obviously and then he plays a 200 foot game. Voracek is lucky to play 150 on a good night at the end of the week. Like at the end of the day, that's what he is. Like if he can play 125 to 100 feet, that's a good night at a Voracek
0: well here's the thing about jake it was never about his defensive coverage because he's a winger and as a winger you don't have as much defensive responsibility because really you're the one who is really initiating the breakout once that defenseman makes their first out pass you should be down near the dots not dropping below to be able to do that my issue was with jake not hustling enough really it came down to a hustle factor for me a looking at it From perspective, if I'm on the bench and I see Jake kind of not putting full strides out of the zone uh, and then just trying to go for a cheap pass um, and then really passing when he should be shooting and shooting when he would be passing, a lot of things I didn't see. I go back to what they talked about last season after they fired Hextall and Hackstall about getting this team good habits. Now, Jake's got some good habits now. I see Jake hustling back to the dots. I see Jake when he doesn't have the puck hustling out of the zone i see jake every once in a while he'll try this weird weird you know uh stretch pass we'll try to lob it into the air and get people or try a stretch pass that's not really his game he, he also made a, an egregious error i believe it was against the rangers the other night where he was at center and he fell and he still put the puck right in the middle of the ice i'm like what are you doing are you nuts little things like that are going to happen throughout a game i'll, I'll forgive him for that uh, the whole point is is that I really like how he's hustling, how he's making the right decisions now, where he's in the offensive zone and he's surveying. He's looking around. He's looking to try to make the right play. He's shooting more in situations where in the past he wasn't. So his improvement is actually a lot better than you think it is. And you got to yeah. attribute Elaine Vigneault for that.
1: Yeah. And actually, let's talk about Elaine Vigneault. Like, I think when you talk about the turnaround that this team has seen. Like, the, the to get 12 out of 12 points over the last two weeks and have another six on the table this week, starting with the Washington Capitals on Wednesday, you know, it, it's just, y- you have to just say, it starts with Elaine Vigneault, and you could say Chuck Fletcher because obviously Chuck Fletcher's the guy that hired him and made the moves to bring Matt Niskin in, uh, Kevin Hayes, who I think we can all agree that contract, no matter what it is, it's a hundred percent worth it at this point. And we talked about that in the beginning of the, in our first ever podcast.
0: We did. And I told everybody, we told everybody that that was absolutely the case, that you cannot buy centers without paying a premium. And you got a long rangey center who can play 200 feet and has 21 goals on the year to now and match his career high. When he was last under Vigneault, he's got 21 or 22, I believe Now you have that And it's worth every penny Because now you've solidified yourself up the middle I've been saying for years And including at the beginning when we started this thing And not to be a broken record You need two good centers to win a Stanley Cup You cannot win A Stanley Cup without having two good centers No matter what fashion You need two centers Who are just able to basically Dominate a game You see it in Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin You've seen it with other teams, as far as Jonathan Taves. He's had other guys below him, like Patrick Sharp. Those guys are solid, solid centers. So, in order to do that, you, you need your production up the middle, and you need players who play well up the middle.
1: And Vigneault, uh, like it's just, it's just so impressive. And I talked about it last week. Vigneault was able to take a roster that was pretty much the same as last year. That Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall just couldn't pull out of themselves, but Ron Hextall, like he was able to find the diamonds in the in the draft, like. He drafted Travis Konechny. He drafted Carter Hart. He saw this youth and was able to develop it in his own right. He just took forever with it to his own detriment, and that's what caused his firing. Dave Haxtall kind of just had this philosophy that is the complete opposite of uh, of what Elaine Vigneault is in terms of developing the youth. And credit to Vigneault we also talked about that in one of our first podcasts about Vigneault's little bit of discomfort not discomfort but like just abnormality in dealing with the youth he's kind of a head coach that comes in when it's a go time you saw it with the Rangers uh, a couple years back his first year with the Rangers he led them to a Stanley Cup final so like it's not abnormal for uh, this is not abnormal and abnormal if it makes that makes sense for Elaine Nunyo because he is dealing with a youth and he's leaning on the youth. He's not putting all the pressure on Jake Forachek, on Claude Giroux. He is like Travis Konechny is still leading the team in points. Claude Giroux is finally getting up there in points in terms of on the power play, but Vigneault is able to say, I know what this roster is, I know what I can do with it, and you're seeing that just pay off at the exact right time. They're on a six-game win streak in a time where at this point last year the team was pretty much out of it. And now it it doesn't get any easier in this week when you have two of three playoff contenders on your shelf, including the Washington Capitals on Wednesday night in Washington. Like, and Alain Vigneault is able to look at this team and say, I know I can get the crap out of you that I need and he's doing that night in and night out that weird sounded weird but I'm just going to let that sit I'm going to let that one sit
0: no, that's fine that's fine and then after he does it he goes and has a martini afterwards <laughs> I
1: love that That'll that lie. is like the fact that we have a coach not just in the Philadelphia organization but really throughout all four sports. Joe Girardi's a little bit of a question mark. I think he's still pretty charismatic. Obviously, when he was uh, when I watched him out in New York. But like to have four coaches and five, if you include the uh, Philadelphia Union, to have charisma, to be able to interact with the fan base and media at, at the same time, not treating them like children. It's a great sight to see. Cause I thought that's what Dave Hackstall kind of did. He was very stonewalled. He was very straightforward. And Vigneault's, like, having fun. Even just simple things like, did you guys see Oscar Lindblom at the end of the, I forget, I think it was uh, again, after the Columbus game. Like, did you guys see uh, Oscar Lindblom at the in the locker room? Beautiful smile. Great win. What are your questions? Like, he doesn't, he just brings a personality that I think every sports team, not just in the NHL, not just in Philadelphia, but all of sports needs to be bringing.
0: Well, you know, he does two things. First of all, he makes it fun. I mean just his he looks like he's just a laid back guy he's going to hold you accountable on the ice but he's just an easy going guy who just realizes the position that he's in and having fun with it like this isn't his first go around he doesn't the, the moment's not too big for him and that reflects on a team and it's crazy because the other night Kevin Haynes got in a pushing match. I believe it was Brendan Lemieux. I don't know why that's sticking with me, but
1: it was a hundred percent Brendan Lemieux. Like Lemieux was that, as Ron Hexdal called uh, Travis Konechny last year, a little pissant. Like that was what Lemieux was trying to be uh, towards Kevin Hayes.
0: Yeah, but the cool thing is this is this is what what and they they highlighted this, but what, being on a bench. You know, like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not a pro coach, but you can kind of get a pulse for a team when you're there, and you can feel the intensity from the players, from everybody else on the bench. What got me, what I loved about it, is that not Hayes didn't hit him back. It was the fact how angry the guys on the bench were, yelling at Brendan Lemieux, and they were pissing the he was pissing the players off. I love that intensity. I love that. I love that. And, that, and that's the thing is that. While Vigneault is making it fun for these guys, they haven't lost an ounce of the competitive spirit at all, and he's made it fun. He's he's allowed this team, rather than to concentrate on the tiny, tiny details and overthink the game, which kind of Hackstall did with this team has made him overthink a bit. He's got these guys playing loose. He's got them playing well. He's got them playing fun with a lot of intensity, too. Because you know what? This team, it, it looks at the rest of the league and says – we can beat anybody, and and the, you can really see that on the ice. I mean, they scored, I think it was a total of 57 goals this past month. They are averaging four and a half goals a game. And the second important thing that Invinio is doing because of that is he's rolling four lines. Is that you're getting production. Michael Raffles scored a goal the other day. Derek Grant, the newcomer, scored a goal the other day. It's only going to be a matter of time before Nate Thompson does. You know Matt Niskanen was in the crease the other day on that power play goal that Kubel hit off the post. Nick Albe Kubel is on the power play. So this guy is come in here, he's now put the Flyers in a position to where they are now three points out of first in the Metro. At the beginning of the season we talked about a successful season would be to get in the playoffs and win around. They might end up in first in the division. So Yeah, what what Vigneault has been able to come in here and do has been outstanding. However, there it is. There's the key, however. Uh Uh-oh. The uh uh-oh. Uh-huh. However, we still have a month to go. You cannot get cup crazy yet. You cannot get playoff crazy yet. We talk a lot on these episodes about the upcoming playoffs and the upcoming schedule and the importance of it. But we still have a month to go. If you remember back, that a little over a decade ago, the 07-08 Flyers got off to a great start. Then what happened? They dropped 10 games in a row near the end of the season. Almost didn't get in the playoffs, recovered near the end. You have to understand, this is a fun team to watch, but there's a lot of hockey yet. So let's not stop asking the question, is this team good enough to go to the final? Vegas is saying that the Flyers have a 99% chance and they have the highest odds to get to the cup. Yeah, place your bets if you believe that now before those odds go down. But the whole point is, don't get crazy yet because there's a lot of hockey left to play.
1: And what a time to talk about the official sportsbook app of the Orange and Backcheck podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook. We partnered with them this year because they are America's top-rated sportsbook app. And now is the time to get in on it because playoffs between NBA and NBA NHL, even the XFL in a couple of weeks is going to be having playoffs, and throughout the season, that's not going to stop you from making any type of bet. You can get your deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience at any time. It's really no wonder that DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top rated sportsbook app. They're American made and it's safe and secure betting. Now, this is exclusively for Orange and Backcheck listeners. Right now, Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code BACKCHECK, that's BACKCHECK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Yeah, you heard me right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code BACKCHECK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. The bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, I want to ask you the question of the playoffs. Because I was thinking about this. We talked about it last week, how the the likelihood of them making that two seed kind of was not a dream but it was not the most like it's not the easiest thing and it's still not because the Penguins who are on a six game losing streak can easily snap back tomorrow night and it's all gone or it's back it's back for them but uh, here's what I was thinking yes they're three points back of the Washington Capitals for the top spot and then they would play whichever of the wildcard teams they would match up depending on who wins the Atlantic and point, points-wise. But still, I tend to find if the Flyers and the Penguins get back to a 2012 matchup as a 2-3, doesn't matter who where home ice is, I think that's the best possible scenario, not just for the Flyers, but if the fans truly want to come back. And they're starting to trickle back, obviously, because they're contenders. You're starting to hear them on Sports Talk Radio, uh, just in general conversation about, holy crap, have you seen the Flyers? Like, suddenly they're the best team in the city. I think the Flyers-Penguins matchup in the playoffs would be exactly what everyone needs to come back full circle, full stop.
0: You might be right. You might be right. But it could also be Washington as well. I right? Yeah, Washington has the
1: Ovechkins of the world. But I think on the national st- or on the city stage of Philadelphia, I think that's all they really know—the Ovechkin and uh, and Holpe maybe. But like that, but I don't know.
0: I feel like fans in this city—no disrespect—I feel like fans in this city would feel like if they beat the Penguins, then they're going to go all the way and win the cup. I, I feel like no, it, it's just would. it's the rivalry there, and I think the issue with it is that the Pens are kind of spiraling right now. They've lost six straight. They've had some problems. Their goaltending has been atrocious. Crosby's not really producing. Malkin's not really producing. Ever since they pick up Jason Zucker before the deadline, they have not been playing well at all. They just went out and got swept in the Pacific Division like the Flyers did. They lost to LA, they lost to Anaheim, and they lost to San Jose. So what the Flyers went through in late December, early January, they're Penguins just went through as well. They, you know, so, and they've had two shutouts in the last two weeks. They have they've got shut out by Toronto and they got shut out by San Jose. And and that's pretty bad. The point is, is that, okay, you, you know, you want to get a wounded dog basically or, you know, kick them while they're down and they get them in the playoffs if they're playing this poorly at that time. Is that likely going to happen? No, they're probably going to rebound a little bit. But to go to your point about national stage, that's a different topic because that's actually based on the playoff scenario. And the the playoff structure right now, they talked about it at the GM meetings today, is, is garbage. It really is garbage. And we're going to get yeah. to that when we get closer to the playoffs. But I don't think that even adding the Penguins in the first round would make a difference because they played them in the first round two years ago and people didn't feel like it were for real. Um, I look at it this way. I, I think that Philadelphia fans want to see the flyers get in the playoffs and win around regardless of gantsa 2 i don't think that people will oh, take it seriously yeah. until they win around so my view is this is that you could play the penguins you could play toronto you could play columbus you could play the islanders people are still going to get up and get into it but it really won't take the fan base to really believe until they get out of that first round because they haven't gotten out of it since 2012 and in fact they've only won two playoff rounds since 2010. So uh, I it, it really, it's been a decade since this team has really gone deep into the playoffs. So until they actually get through the first round and it, it's more intense in the second round, that's when I start to think you see people come back and really buy into this team. If not this season, the next season.
1: No, it, I a hundred percent get it. Like this, this team, I've talked to people at my work. They're still skeptical about this team. Like, and as weird as that sounds, because they are second in the metropolitan, one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now with six win streak, uh, six game win streak, like they're just saying this team hasn't proven to me anything until they win a playoff rate, a playoff series, and that's hundred percent fair. I, I just think like, yes, you can have that criticism, but you can also dive into this team and have a lot of fun, and then possibly get your heart broken when they lose in that first round. That's a total possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I think there is a real shot because, like I said last week, there's no team in the Eastern Conference that they have the potential to play between Columbus, Carolina, the outside shot of playing Washington, whatever however that works out, Pittsburgh. None of these teams make me say there is no chance they will beat them. Like you talked about the Islanders a little bit, that was a little bit uh, that you had, that was a fair criticism. They might be their toughest quote unquote opponent or t- toughest challenge, I should say. But, like, there's no team on this on this roster, this lineup, that scares the crap out of me.
0: No, I agree with you. I think that they've proven it now. I mean, l- let's look at our predictions the last two weeks. I've said the last two weeks they're going to drop a game or two and have a disappointing loss. And they've done the exact opposite of that. In fact, they've, they've manhandled teams over the past few weeks here. And they've played very, very well. I I would say after that game against the Devils where they got shut out 5-0, they've been a different team since then. I mean, that was a bad Mm -hmm. luck night, but they really woke up for that and realized that every point is valuable. And I get, like, look... I. It's not about the teams that they play against. It's and I get people's skepticism that oh they, they haven't done anything in years. They're, they're just going to get in the playoffs. They're going to lose again. That's what the Flyers do. I, you know, even even people I talk to, it's like oh the Flyers always do this. They always get to the playoffs and they do well during the regular season and they can't get it done during the playoffs. Okay, it's a fair criticism. They haven't won anything since 1975. But. This... I'm not saying this is the year. I said last week, and I will stand by that, this team is constructed where if they get in the playoffs and the cards fall right, they can go on the run. They get the right... Now, matchups, yeah, this team could go as far as the conference final, I think. I think that that is a fair thing to say if they get in. I think the first two rounds would be good. But then, listen, a conference final is a tough thing to do. It's your final four there. You know, you're talking about your step away from the final... That I don't know if this team is tested enough for that yet. I really don't. It depends on who they play. If they play a team like Tampa in the conference final, if they get that far, oh, man. It shades of 2004 right there. But
1: This is actually the, where I wanted to segue. Like, this is going to be an interesting – because you're starting to see it already. Elaine Vigneault is putting a huge workload on Carter Hart. Carter Hart is in this, like – in this weird moment in his career, not weird moment, that's just a lack of a better term I can't think of right now, but like he's at a point in his career where Elaine Vigneault is looking at at this team and saying, We're a playoff team, we're gonna make the playoffs, we're now all of a sudden top two in our division, and he's thinking to himself, Okay. This is really gonna happen. They have according to moneypuck.com, I believe it was, they now have a ninety-nine percent chance of just qualifying for the playoffs. Forget their chance of being the best team to win the cup. I'm not I don't care about that. That that's cool to see, but what I'm focused on is their chances to win the play and get into the playoffs. 99.1% as of this recording. Carter Hart is 21 years old in his second year as the Philadelphia Flyers goalie. And you can't even safely say that he's been labeled a number one until about, like, maybe 25 games ago that he really solidifies himself. Like, maybe a little bit less. Because the the reason I say that is because, yes, he played well in that first season – But there were still question marks. We had question marks going into this season about what Carter Hart is going to be. That's why Brian Elliott was getting such a heavy workload early in the season. Now, all of a sudden, that's tilting because Elaine Vigneault knows that as a goalie, the the hardest thing to do is not just be a first-year player in the NHL playoffs, but be a first-year NHL goaltender in the playoffs. So for him to sustain this, he needs this workload. I expect him to start on Wednesday night. I'm sure that's going to be happening. Elliott's going to probably get uh, the the Carolina game, maybe the Buffalo game, but there's no doubt Carter Hart's getting two out of these three games, and that's going to be for the rest of the season. His workload is about to get substantially bigger than he's ever faced, and that's going to be the biggest question mark come April.
0: Uh, I, I agree with you, but I disagree with you totally that he was labeled the starter 25 games ago because, listen, he got hurt at one point and it took him a little while to get back, and he was very shaky to start the season. Carter Hart became the definitive starter on this team on Sunday because wow. of okay. one thing happened. that Elliot didn't start that game because normally, and at home and home like that, let's go back and forth. Columbus last week. Columbus? You had the home game, Carter Hart got that, and the away game, Elliot got that one, okay? Because that was a te- – I viewed that as, okay, Elliott's getting a start here because Vigneault's got to be known that he's ready for a, a playoff-type game there, which exactly what that game was. But it really spoke volumes to me that you put Carter Hart in between the pipes on Friday night and then again on Sunday. And you know Carter Hart struggles on the road. And he has a horrible road record this year, but he's unbeatable at home. So – the whole deal is is this, is that if Vigneault was not fully confident that Hart wasn't his guy, Elliott would have gotten one of those two starts.
1: I, I see that. Yeah, you're right.
0: So the fact that Elliott didn't start and Hart did start on Sunday tells me, okay, I can tell you this is pretty much how the conversation probably went. Kid, you're getting the start on Sunday. We're going to ride you here down the stretch and get you ready for next month. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Because he's going to have to do the same exact thing, a playoff-type game. And I'll tell you what, Carter Hart played one of his best games of his career on Sunday. Because the Rangers had a lot of chances in that game, a lot of great scoring chances. And that kid was so calm. We were During our live tweet, and I was watching this kid. I'm just saying, man, like you know he's always had the potential, but I'm really starting to see him come into his own because the moment is not too big for him. Not to make comparisons to other goaltenders, but you say, like, what kind of stress is there for a rookie goaltender? Yeah, there's stress, but this kid just blacks it out of his head. Like, he just he just blanks it out. It does not faze him at all. To go in there and see the, the types of hard saves he had to make, even when they went up. The point was, not and, and the thing is, is that let's look at Sunday, some of the body of work that he did. He stopped the breakaway against Mika Zibinejad. Yeah, he got beat up on the power play a little bit. Some of those goals are going to get through, especially when you're on the PK. But he, there was a lot of saves he made that could have tilted that game the other way after the Flyers already went up. He is starting to come into his own. And when you mention rookie goaltender, let's look at back at just last season. Let's look at Jordan Bennington. A rookie goaltender that came in in January. His first game was a shutout against the Flyers. And then he goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Unbelievable. So it can absolutely happen. One of the best goaltenders of all time did it in his rookie year. Patrick Waugh. He did it in his rookie year. As a 20-year-old rookie goaltender. And a most improbable cup run probably in NHL history with that 1986 Montreal Canadian team. There have been goalies that have gone and done that run. Cam Ward in 2005 for Carolina, he was another one. Built his entire career off one playoff run, but to be honest with you, yeah, he earned that. So it's not impossible, especially with him and the way he goes through sports psychology and the way he is focused mentally and the moment's not too big for him. I expect him to go out every game, play his technical style, and just be on it. And you know what? Every time a shot goes on net on him, I'm actually more surprised when it goes in anymore because that's how yeah. much of a turnaround this kid has had, how much confidence, not only his teammates, but the fans should see that as well.
1: What we've seen, we, what we have, we've really seen a true development of a goalie that we have not seen in Philadelphia since... Roman
0: Monic, maybe? Oh, and Ron Hextall. because Ron Roman Checkstall. Yeah, Roman Monic was thirty by the time he came over that's here. True. So he was yeah. older guy. We have I mean, we can go back with Boosh, but the Flyers did him a disservice by trading away John Van Beesbrook that year, not giving him a veteran net miner to stay by to stay behind him. So mm. and that's the that's 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 I'm gonna go back circle back to that because that's Elliot's biggest value right now. It's not what he can do for you on the ice, it's that he is in the back helping mentor this kid. And getting him prepared mentally because he's been battle-tested. Brian Elliott has not played well in the playoffs overall throughout his career, but he's been through it. And I'm sure he's learned from those mistakes and understands why. So he can teach this kid and help develop him because the most important thing at this point is a stable veteran netminder behind him pushing him this way. Look, for whatever reason, when the year ends in a zero, the Flyers go on these runs with these weird goaltending things. It was Bush and Van Beesbroek in '99, 2000. Bush took them to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Final. In 2010, the Flyers had Bush again, and they had Mike Leighton, who were pushing each other. And this year, you got Brian Elliott, a journeyman goaltender, and you got Carter Hart, one of the most revered prospect goalies in you know in the last couple of years here, and now. Elliot's pushing him to get him to his potential and I uh, you know it it's it's a wonderful thing to see because we have not been able to appreciate good goaltending in close to 30 years here.
1: Yeah it's it's absolutely crazy and then this looking ahead to this week uh both teams are off until wednesday washington and and the flyers then they come back home you know th- uh to start a, a little bit of a home stretch against carolina sabers and then uh a couple days from a couple days from that is boston that we'll talk about in next week's pod but looking at the six points that are on the slate like i keep thinking that at some point we're going to have that let down game. Like, I, th- I I just, it's part of the, 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 the ebbs and flows of an NHL season. I am fully confident they're going into Washington on Wednesday. I believe it's a national, tele- nationally televised game despite a seven o'clock puck drop. Like, I have no doubt that this team is going to kick their ass. Now, when I say kick their ass, they'll be like a 3-2 win, 4-3 to three win. But still, it's going to be a dominant win. Like, you can win those one, two-goal games, but you can control it. Like, 5-3 against the Rangers on Sunday, that was an ass-kicking by the Flyers, in my opinion. They struggled a little bit in the third. They kind of got lazy. They got flat-footed. But at the end of the day, they controlled 60 minutes of that ice and didn't step off the throat of the rangers i fully expect that with their capitals i think they're going to lose to the to the carolina hurricanes and then they'll win against buffalo so i think they'll get four out of six here maybe they'll get lucky with five out of six in an overtime loss against carolina i'm feeling pretty good about this team four out of six and the good thing is they can set they're at almost they're Almost, They're not there yet. They're almost at the point where they can drop a point or two. It's going to suck if they – because I think they're going to drop it to a playoff contending team like Carolina, but I'm not panicking that they drop the points yet because they're clearing space. They're on a six-game freaking win streak.
0: Well, not only that, they have three points up on the Penguins who are third in the division. So they have some space there. So they have a game and a half to play with there. I, I look at it this way. You know, last two weeks I've said they probably have a drop a game and. You know, they have proved me wrong each time. But you know what, Flyers? Go out and prove me wrong again because you know what? You're going to end up with three points this week. I I was saying three points this week. I think that they'll come off an emotional win somewhere or some sort of against against Washington. Here's the thing, though, about Washington. They've been very inconsistent lately. They've won three out of the last four games, but have lost seven out of their last 11. So I don't know what Washington team you're going to get. You're going to get the one that beat the Flyers two to one back a couple months back, or the one that lost seven to two a few weeks ago. You don't know. You don't know. So that one's a toss up. So they're going to either grab one or two points out of that. Coming home against going to be a tough matchup against Washington and playing Carolina. Carolina does not have good goaltending right now. Both Peter Morazek and James Reimer are still injured. They have Anton Forsberg and they have Nadelchevik. I forget how to pronounce, I forget his first name. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's Nadelchevik. And and the thing is is that they have two guy AHL goaltenders right now. And they didn't pick up anybody at the deadline. For whatever reason, Vegas had to go out and get Robin Leonard. I don't understand why when it was probably if you're going to go out and spend draft picks on Vincent Trochak, a guy who is struggling because he's coming off an Achilles injury and not producing what he should be, you could have spent a draft pick instead of bolstering your defense and going out and gotten a a Robin Leonard. And then I'd be like, okay, that's a tough matchup. But still, that's a Rod Brindamore coach team. And if you remember Rod Brindamore, his days here – he, he's he's pushing that team hard right now With Carolina I, I think that you're right they, they probably have a shot to drop Carolina But yet again, their goaltending is so suspect That might be the case Buffalo, I feel that's a trap game Because Buffalo has been streaky of lately too And they're not playing overly well uh, They've lost three out of their last six um, I'm sorry, four out of the last six And they've lost three straight but yet again, when you have Jack Eichel on that ice, and even though Jeff Skinner is underperforming this year, he's always been able to put a beating on the Flyers. I I get concerned that that might be a track game. So I feel like they're going to get a win or two here and maybe go to a shootout one of these games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Washington game goes to a shootout. They might drop something or have a tough game against Carolina and then uh, come back against Buffalo. But Prove me wrong again. Prove me wrong. I'm just saying is that don't – this is why I keep saying don't get your hopes up that it's going to be time to say they're going to win the cup because you might hit a rough week. But the good thing is they put themselves in a position where they take a slight step back. It's okay. They'll get pedal to the metal right back at it again. And, And one thing, too, I want to say, too, one last thing is that, you know, Lou Nolan didn't do the PA announcing for Friday's game. I was I was watching the game and listening and it sounded like it was Dan Baker. Somebody told me it was Keith Jones, the the Phantoms guy, but um, I heard he was sick, and I want to give a shout out to Russ Leiden eighty two on Twitter for that because I had no idea that any of that information was put out there, but he came up and gave us the info. So Russ Leiden, thank you very much for that.
1: Yeah, always appreciate our listeners giving us some uh, advice that we can't always – because obviously we're not always at the game. We're we're never at the game. I mean, we sit at home and watch the game. That's how we do this thing. That's how us podcasters do it. We Excuse can't
0: me. Afford- we we we, we're, 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 we could be legitimized, oppressed people, <laughs> and go to the games and all that stuff and write articles and things like that, but we're we not could. there yet. We're not there yet.
1: I actually just looked at it because you talked about a shootout. Uh, they haven't been in a shootout since uh, January 13th. And that was against Boston and that they won. So it's been a while since they uh, had a shootout.
0: They're due. They're due. I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking one or two. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't be surprised if two of these games go to a shootout because it's going to be that tight down the stretch, and that's where their points come from. So, uh,
1: Especially because know. they have another back-to-back here, too, against yeah. Washington and Carolina to this week yeah. on Wednesday and Thursday.
0: Yeah, because um, Washington they don't, doesn't have a game until – Until the Flyers play them on Wednesday And Carolina's off until they play the Flyers on Thursday So Carolina's going to be well rested They might have a little rust in that first period But you always know what happens That team coming off that long break Might have a little bit of a rough first period The Flyers coming off a game before Might get off to a hot start And then it completely flips in the third When the team that's rested has the legs And the team coming off the back-to-back doesn't So, you know, that, that might be a game Where it might be a little hard to watch If something happens, but yet again that's just a prediction. They could prove us wrong again and get six points out of this, and we're going to be, you know, have our foot in our mouths again.
1: Yeah. And if you disagree with us or you agree with us on your betting wise, there's only one sportsbook app to use. That is DraftKings Sportsbook, the best America's favorite sportsbook app. All you have to use is promo code backcheck B A C K C H E C K when signing up, and you'll get a sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars just use the promo code back check when signing up until then follow us on twitter orange and back check facebook orange and back check send us an email orange and back at gmail.com if you have any questions about this current flyer season and we'll talk to you next
0: week don't get cup crazy yet